Have you ever wondered about the real secrets of building deep connections with other people? Well, empathy is so important in all of our relationships. And this week, I'm going to be speaking with Derek Clark. Derek Clark has spent years teaching horse riders how to build an amazing relationship with their horses by working with their horse's nature instead of against it. And what's remarkable is through learning how to develop this empathy with horses, these are principles that we can apply in our everyday lives to create better relationships. So let's get into this week's podcast. So welcome to this episode of the Mind, Body and Relationship Maze. Today I'm going to be talking to Derek Clark. Derek Clark's been helping people achieve their dreams in sport and in business for nearly 40 years. After enjoying success in rowing at school and university, he became one of the first professional rowing coaches in the UK and helped his athletes achieve success at all levels, from complete beginners to world champions. In 1996, he was a coach of the Swiss rowing team that won two gold medals at the Olympic Games in Atlanta. Then as technical consultant to the Oxford University Boat Club, he helped them turn a seven-year losing streak into seven wins from the next 10 years in the annual boat race against Cambridge. Derek also has a strong entrepreneurial and business background. He's run his own businesses for over 20 years and delivered coaching and training in leadership and communication skills to managers and directors of some of the UK's best-known companies. So I'd like to welcome Derek Clark to the show. Hi, Derek. Hi there, Tom. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Now, I've gathered that after after your career in rowing and rowing coaching, you've now discovered a whole new angle on life. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about what that is or just go through that a little? Sure, that, that's right. Well, first of all, I'd like to say thanks very much to, to you for the, uh, the opportunity to uh, appear on your podcast. And um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I spent the first part of my working career, as, as you've described, in, uh, in rowing and in, in business, and then spent uh, about five years living in Switzerland while I was coaching the, the Swiss Olympic team over there. And when we came back to the UK in uh, 99, 2000, that sort of time period, um, yeah, I, I discovered a whole new way of looking at life because my, my wife, Jo, uh, decided to buy her own horse for the very first time. She, she'd ridden since she was a, a kid, and she'd always had this dream of, of buying her own horse. Uh, and she, she went to university, she got a job, she made some money, et cetera, et cetera. And when we came back to the UK, as I say, she finally had the chance to turn this dream into reality. So she went off and tried out a horse for herself, and uh, everything seemed to be fine. She bought him. And uh, the dream was about to come true. And, and actually, the, the reality of it was that the, the horse who arrived, he, he was the same horse, but the, the horse who arrived seemed to be a, a completely different guy from the, the one that she'd been off and uh, tried out. Uh, he was a very unhappy, frightened, actually quite dangerous horse at the time who just hated anything at all to do with humans. Um, Looking back on it, Joe was convinced that he, he must have been drugged, to be honest, or something like that when she went to try him out. And they, they have um, vet checks, obviously, and things like that. But there, there were all sorts of delays and all kinds of reasons why the check didn't happen immediately. Um, and by the time the horse arrived, uh, he, he was just, as I say, this, this really kind of frightened, unhappy creature. So um, 
she had a bit of a problem on her hands. She she didn't really know what to do. Um, the typical options would be to, to kind of sell him on. But, uh, of course, selling a horse in that state was, was going to be next to impossible. And she didn't really fancy the idea of uh, trying to drug him so she could sell him on to someone else. Um, some people were saying, well, you know, he's dangerous. You've got to put him to sleep. And she, she's not that kind of uh, person. She, she certainly wasn't about to, to take this horse and, you know, call an end to things. And so um, the only option really that she, she was left with was to try and find a way to uh, connect with this horse and um, understand life from his point of view and figure out how to, to do things differently. Um, and my interest was really kind of kindled at the the start of this process because um, I'd had a massive interest in psychology from from my time in uh, particularly sport and, and obviously the business side of life as well. And the uh, the issue with with the horse seemed to be that um, he was being put into a world, a, a human oriented world, which um, he, he didn't really agree with. And from his point of view, you know, everything stank, basically. He just wasn't, uh, wasn't happy to, to put up with things. He had fantastic personal integrity, actually. Um, he, he wasn't prepared to, to put up with things that he, 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 he didn't um, understand, he, he, you know, he couldn't cope with, essentially. So um, when Joe started getting some help to, to look at things differently, uh, what caught my interest was the, the, the idea that it was coming from a, from a whole different place. It was really about putting yourself in, in the horse's uh, hooves and, and looking at life from the horse's point of view, which what surprised me about that was that it's actually not all that common a way of dealing with horses. The, the typical modern horse world tends to be about uh, the, the human's interest and um, making things easy for the human tends to come first. And actually how the horse is coping with life is really quite low on the agenda. And as a result, there's uh, people tend to have a lot of difficulties with horses. Horses get labelled as being difficult or unsuitable. Uh, and in fact, it's not so much the horse that's, that's unsuitable, it's the life that the horse is being squeezed into. So... Um, as I say, Joe got some some help from people who understood a, a different way to to deal with horses and to to work with horses, and and I guess the key words are working with the the horse, um, seeing life from the horse's point of view, understanding how they uh, live their lives and um, and what's important to them, and of course that piqued my interest, uh, and in fact it was my birthday uh, back in two thousand, I think it was. And um, Joe organized for me to have some basic groundwork lessons, as, as they be called, which is just the way that we as humans interact with, with horses before we even think about riding them or, or anything like that. And um, at the time, I, I knew you know, little to nothing. You could write what I knew about horses on, on, literally on the back of a stamp. But she organized for me to, to have some of these groundwork lessons. And as a bit of a test, after 20 minutes or so of, of teaching, as a bit of a test, the guy who was helping me took one of his horses and put him in a stable, left the door open. And he said to me, okay, your job is to keep the horse in the stable, but you're not allowed to physically touch him. And um, it, I think it took the horse about 20 seconds to get around me, basically. You know, he, he knew an awful lot more about being a horse than, than I did. But the thing that captivated me was the instant realization that actually there's there's someone in there. You know, It's, it's not just a case of a horse being... Uh, a, a big sort of furry creature, a bit like a teddy bear. 
um, there's actually someone in there and, and that someone is keen to play and, and to interact and actually to have a relationship of not, not exactly the same relationship that we'd have human to human, but there are some huge overlaps. Uh, and that idea that actually there was somebody in there that, that I could literally work with, you know, that really captured my interest. And uh, as they say, you know, looking back from that moment, uh, life was never quite the same again. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And I think, you know, what you're saying just in my work as a psychotherapist and in the other work sort of psychotherapy and counselling, you know, so many of the things we have to work with involves like forming a, a high degree of empathy. And part of that, you know, may involve stepping into the other person's shoes, like you said, stepping into the hooves of the horses. Uh, and I think, you know, doing that with an animal is is just something that um, it's something most people probably never think about doing. And I think that's an incredible thing. And um, I'm just wondering, how how do you manage to do that? Are there kind of ways that you kind of find you can step into what, like the hooves of a horse? Or have you, have you developed ways to kind of think about that? Yeah, I mean, people have been riding horses for literally thousands of years. And, um, you know, horses haven't really changed much over that time. There's a bit of a saying, you know, a horse is a horse. And so there's there's the opportunity to learn by standing on the shoulders of, of the people that have come before us. Um, there's a lot of literature actually available. And um, the message really is is, I guess, understanding that horses are flight animals. The best way to think about a horse is, is really to think of them like a bird because that's how they tend to behave. Um, and our experience as humans is mostly with the kind of pets that we have tend to be cats and dogs and so on. And um, the, the behavior is really quite different. You know, we, we relate very easily to cats and dogs because we're also predators just as they are. And when a predator is, is disturbed, for example, or something comes into his um, uh, area um, where he happens to be um, standing or sitting or wh- whatever it may be, the, the typical predator behavior is to kind of turn and, and stare at whatever has has created that disturbance, kind of check them out, decide whether they think they're a threat or not, uh, and then decide what to do, you know, which may well include running away or, or uh, standing up to the to the the animal, the human, whatever's come into to their um, space. But horses actually fundamentally behave completely differently. As I say, if we think of them as being birds, you know, typical bird behavior when, when they get disturbed or startled is actually to fly uh, and to, to fly off to a safe distance. And only after that do they turn around and have a look and actually decide whether flying away was necessary or not. Uh, and that's how horses tend to behave. You know, if, if they get startled, people talk about the, the flight response. So a horse's natural reaction is going to be to flee initially um, and then turn around and, and have a look and see whether it was a good idea. But because horses are big creatures with long legs and they can move pretty quickly, a safe distance for them, they would probably consider is something like a quarter of a mile. Um, and so uh, uh, unfortunately for horses, a, a lot of the ways that have been developed over the years to um, – I'm just searching for the right word here. I, I guess contain is is probably the word that that people would have thought of in the past. Is about blocking that natural response uh, rather than finding a way to to work with it. And um, of course, the, there's a great saying. I'm, I'm sure you you're familiar with. You may well have even taught it to me in in the first case. That uh, you know what we resist persists. And of course, if we're trying to stop horses from 
exhibiting their natural behavior, it's only going to lead to trouble. Wow, that's uh, that's really fascinating. And um, when when you when you're working with people, when you're helping people to kind of learn to ride or work with horses, learning this, how do you think it can help people change their perspective on life or other people? Um, I think there's there's two aspects really. Um, one is that horses act as a mirror. Um, and, and it's like, you know, whenever you interact with a horse, it's like holding up a mirror to how you're being, you know, we, we can all, um, be different people. We, we can, um, we can exhibit different characteristics and we can choose to exhibit different characteristics that that are within us at, at different times. What tends to happen initially when people, are introduced to a horse, especially people like me who, who had no previous experience, is that the, the kind of things that come up for us tend to be a, a lot centered around fear and anxiety because we, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't know um, how we're going to keep a lid on the situation. We're probably naturally a little bit worried. You know, our, our initial reactions when when we meet another creature that particularly we don't understand you know it's it's kind of uh do i need to be afraid of it do do i need to run away from it you know is it going to challenge me that sort of thing um so um the the first kind of aspect of things is that as i say the, the horse is like a mirror to us because if we behave in that way then the horse is going to do whatever he or she thinks is is the most uh sensible behavior for for them to to undertake at the time to keep themselves safe uh, because that, you know, being a prey animal, that, that's their driving, um, driving force, as you like, is, is, is firstly just to keep themselves safe. Um, if we then learn um, a little bit more about horses, kind of understanding where they're coming from, and we can then choose to behave in different ways, so getting away from that fear, natural fear response on our part, and actually um, – choosing to act in a, a much lower energy way than we, we might um, naturally uh, go about doing things. That really helps horses. You know, they, they appreciate um, us slowing life down. They, they're they very, very good at, at kind of seeing through us, you know, it, especially being being prey animals. You know, they, they have to very, very quickly figure out the intentions of, of any other creature that comes into their space. And one thing that uh, I've learned over the years is is that the way that predators tend to behave is is kind of a little bit um, uh, how would I put it sort of almost dishonest a bit on on the surface you know we because you, if you're trying to sneak up on an animal you, you don't want to give the animal the idea that you know you're 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 actually viewing it as lunch um, but at the same time there's that kind of intention on on the inside and um, that leads to to a certain kind of level of um, incongruence between what's going on on the inside and, and the behavior you actually see on the outside. And of course, that's the natural way that we tend to, to behave around horses when we first meet them. And horses just see straight through that. But the great thing is that if we actually learn to behave differently in the moment, the horses change almost instantaneously. And I've worked with a number of people over the years now who have, have been genuinely afraid of horses when they first meet them. But you, you know, if you give them a, a few tips, a little bit of basic understanding about how to be around a horse, and a lot of it, in fact, is just about being authentic. You know, if you're afraid, that's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. But don't try to kind of pretend on the surface that you're not afraid. Um, you know, if you are afraid, then, then act in a, 
in a way that keeps you safe. And, and that then allows your feelings to change on the inside. And the horse will pick up on that instantly. Uh, and horses are kind of naturally curious creatures. They, they actually want uh, an easy life. They, they want to be safe. They want an easy life. And they're genuinely curious. And so if, if we genuinely don't present any kind of threat to them, they very, very quickly want to come over and, and find out what we're all about. Right. That's, I mean, that, that really is incredible. And, um, I th- you know, I think one of really powerful lesson for me is the thing about learning to be authentic because so much of our lives, we, you know, a lot of, a lot of the times we try and put on different faces in different contexts. And, you know, sometimes we, we don't give off that authentic self, which is such a powerful thing. And like, you know, sometimes people will see through that. We try to put on a self or a persona that, isn't ourselves and particularly in work uh, that I do in therapy you know part of being a therapist is is, is being authentic and it's it, it's such an important thing in like in, in everything like relationships being authentic um how, how do you think that um people learning these horse skills and learning the way that you teach um can actually have a positive impact on their relationships and maybe have you experienced this yourself yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, there's a there's a famous old quote from Winston Churchill. You know, he said there's something about the outside of a horse that's good for the inside of a man or a woman, for that matter. Um, and as you say, the the authenticity that we we have to um, I wouldn't say learn as such. I, I think what we really have to learn is to to recognize the masks that we're we're wearing um and once we're once we're aware of of how we uh change our behavior and try to hide things then we can just sort of let that stuff go you know it's, it can actually be quite an easy process once we we become aware of it and um what we've noticed over the years is, is yeah that absolutely has an impact on the relationships that we have with with everyone around us um we typically uh, have, have had people who've come from kind of a busy work environment and um, typically working in the city, you know, maybe in London, for example. We're, we're based in the Midlands at the moment, and um, they may well come to us with their horse, and they kind of bring that persona of I, I work in London and I work in a busy office and I speak at a million miles an hour and I hardly ever take a pause and it's kind of all competitive and so on. And then, you know, that we really notice the the difference actually of uh, the the energy level uh, that just happens to be around those people. And um, of course, it's no great surprise that the the horse that they're having trouble with is kind of responding to the the way that uh, that, that person's being. And after they spend a little bit of time uh, at our stables here, and you know we're based out in in the country, it's a very quiet part of the world. But we also consciously. Uh, look to create an environment that that works for the horses around here which which is a it's a very kind of peaceful and um slower paced environment than say you would get in a big city and we notice time and again that that starts to rub off on the people who just spend time in, in that environment with us and the horses give them great feedback on how they feel about uh being related to in a in a different way um, and so the the riders tend to pick that up very very quickly. It's something that we we emphasise obviously in the teaching. But then time and again they they'll say that you know they, they've noticed that they're getting different responses from people when they get back into the work environment as well, or or their own relationships at home. Um, I guess the theme really is that they spend more of their time actually listening and uh, and noticing and being aware of the responses that they're getting from people around them. 
um, rather than the focus being more kind of inside themselves and, and, you know, trying to get the next answer out and trying to um, avoid uh, looking as if they don't know what they're doing and, and all those sorts of things that, of course, are the, the things that tend to drive us to, to behave in, in slightly strange ways. That's, I mean, that's really fascinating as well. It's a, and it's also, it sounds like very much generative learning, that learning in one area, but then transferring those learnings into a different area of life, like, you know, relationships. Um, so th- that's really interesting. Um, and I, I'm just wondering in terms of, because uh, I, when, I w- when I learned to ride a horse years and years ago, which I haven't done for a while, um, people always said that the horses can smell your fear. Is it actually through the sense of smell or how do they pick up your emotions? How do they kind of mirror you? That, yeah, there is a that saying, obviously, about them being able to, to, to smell your fear. Um, that, there's probably some truth in that, uh, to be honest. You know, it's, it's not my kind of specialist area, um, understanding exactly how the, the physiology works. Um, but what they are very, very good at, for sure, is picking up on body language. Uh, and of course, our um, inner feelings, our, our inner thoughts, they tend to leak out through our body language. And because horses are, are prey animals, they, they've evolved over thousands of years, tens of thousands of years or, or longer uh, to pick up on the, the slightest difference in uh, in signals. If, if there's a creature approaching them, they need to work out very, very quickly whether the you know that creature is a threat or, or actually they can coexist quite happily. Right. That's, yeah, that's really, you know, I never realized that horse picks up in body language. That's a totally new learning for me. Um, so I'm wondering you know, if, if you could tell me a bit about your business now. What, is, what exactly do you, do you offer and kind of like who do you offer, offer, offer what you're teaching to? Yeah, well, for a couple of reasons, we, we've made a bit of a shift over the past year or so. We, we've spent 10 or 11 years now. Uh, teaching people very much on a one-to-one basis. So, so people will come along with their horses. They, they might uh, put their horses in, in livery with us here, so they'd stay here for a, an extended period of time, or they might just come along for, for one-to-one lessons. Um, but for a couple of reasons, we, we've moved away from that being the, the major part of our focus and now have created a, an online coaching program um, called Schooling Made Simple. And... Um, the, the reasons for that, I, I think you know, on, on the one hand, uh, I was involved, unfortunately, in, in quite a nasty car crash uh, just a couple of years back. And so I, I don't physically have the, the same energy now um, to, to do as much of the uh, kind of physically active work as I used to. So I've, I've had to make some adjustments because of that. But um, we, we've also discovered, actually, uh, as a result of, of starting this online program, earlier in the year when the first lockdown happened actually just happened to be the time uh when we we started the the program um we were wondering whether it would be as effective as teaching people one-to-one and in fact what we found is that it's actually turned out to be more effective which was a bit of a surprise to us and i think the reason for that is because having a lesson uh, and you'll know this yourself if you if you've um you know ridden and, and had lessons in the past on a horse just controlling the horse and, and keeping everything um going in the direction you want it to go that's a pretty big job in itself and then paying attention to a teacher and, and taking the information and trying to change what you do it's actually a pretty big ask for for anyone in a, in a typical 45 minute or 60 minute lesson and by giving people the information in in chunks 
Um, they, they can watch the videos. They can understand what it is that we're uh, wanting to get across. But then they can go and do the practice in their own time and actually post a video for us to, to give comments on. Um, and we found, in fact, the, the feedback we're getting is the rate of progress that people are experiencing is, is even better than what they'd experienced themselves in, in one-to-one lessons. Um, and just going back to, to actually your original question, the, the kind of people that we help are really people who are looking to make more progress than they are at, uh, at the moment with their horse. Um, the kind of things that are holding them back, you know, they, they may well feel that they're, they're having trouble with a particular exercise. Um, sometimes it can be just, a, you know, I, I don't really know what to do next. Um, riding can be a pretty complicated story. There's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things involved in, in developing a horse and educating a horse. And particularly in, in the current climate, you know, people don't necessarily have access to a, a teacher that they would normally have. Or in fact, there, there are also people who live in parts of the world where the nearest teacher can be literally hundreds of miles away. And you know, I'm thinking of uh, middle of America and, and Australia and countries like that. And we have students on the program from, from all over the world, actually, as far as um, Texas in, in the US and uh, New Zealand. Um, and these people don't necessarily have access to a local teacher. But um, really my passion uh, you know, I've been a, a coach or teacher all my life, and my passion really is to to help anyone who genuinely wants to learn. I, I've never heard of like online learning for how to learn to ride, learn, learn to work with horses or ride a horse. Um, I'm just wondering if if people who if it's only aimed at people who have horses or if people who don't have a horse, how would how might somebody would it be possible for somebody who doesn't have a horse to actually learn with you? Yeah, typically most of the the clients that we have are are people who do have their own horse and um, they may well keep the horse at home or or sometimes they keep the horse in the stables. Um, We do have uh, a a few students who don't necessarily have their own horse, but they tend to have regular access to a horse that they can ride. So again, that may be uh, because they go to, to a stables on a regular basis. Or um, sometimes people uh, are riding a friend's horse, something like that. So uh, it, it's not essential to have your own horse, but certainly it, it's one of those things where the more time you spend in the saddle, and, and because we're talking about developing relationships with uh, with another being, um, certainly the more time you spend with the same horse, uh, the, the deeper that relationship is going to get and the, the quicker it's going to happen. Right, yeah, Um that, no, it's, it's really interesting what you're doing. It's made me kind of really want to learn again to to ride a horse because that's something I haven't done for about twenty years. Um, and I know that in your own life, you've you've also, like you said, with the car crash, you've you've faced quite a few like major challenges. I'm just wondering in terms of the the challenges that you faced in your life and also your work with horses. What would you say some of your greatest learnings are yourself? Yeah, I, I've um, I've come to a bit of an understanding over over many years, I guess, that um, is quite different now from from how I used to think about life uh, many many years ago. Which is, um, I, I have an understanding now that everything that happens in life uh, happens for us uh, rather than to us. And um, certainly, you know, if I think back twenty, thirty years ago. Um, I would have thought about life quite differently. You know, I, I, I would have been focused on my circumstances. I, I would have been thinking, why is this happening to me? So on and so forth. But um, 
something actually one of my uh, early writing teachers uh, said to me is is that you know we all tend to look outside for the expert uh, and in horse riding it, it, it tends to be the master is the phrase that's used mm. um, and in fact his way of looking at life was to say actually that's looking kind of in the wrong direction other than in the very early days his way of looking at life was to say that there's actually a master inside all of us and the job when we're learning to ride or learning to work with horses is is actually to find a way to connect with that inner wisdom uh, and kind of let that master within emerge. Um, and through the things I've learned over the years, uh, obviously I studied NLP with, with people like yourself um, and also a, a bit of an understanding of what we might call more sort of ancient wisdom, you know, the the, the relationship between our conscious mind, our unconscious mind, and what we might call our, our higher self. Um, you know, that higher self is is our source of inner wisdom. Uh, and in fact, becoming good with horses is really about a process of connecting with that inner wisdom. And of course, I've learned to do that uh, largely through working with horses for the last 20 years of my life. Uh, and again, that's something that's transferred out into all the other aspects of my life. You know, there's a saying, it's, it's not how you are with horses, it's, it's how you are. Right. That's yeah, amazing learnings. And thank you for sharing that. And um, just as we get to the end of this podcast, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to add or say? I guess if if I wanted to to sort of leave people with a, a bit of a message, uh, and I, I, this is true for horses, but I, th- I think my experience is more and more that it's it's true in in all aspects of life. Actually, is that most people who are having trouble or or not experiencing the the growth and the progress they'd like with their horse, they tend to start off thinking that the horse is the problem, but in fact, what they learn as they they go through um working through the the issues and learning what they need to learn what they learn really is that you know the horse was never the problem at all uh it's a question of how they're being um and and it's a question of you know how that person is uh and and how they're showing up in the world and horses are just responding to that uh my experience has been the more that i've learned about that you know the more i've been able to to get the kind of results that i'd like in other aspects of life as well uh, interacting with people and, um, you know, even uh, how, how the business operates. You know, the, the way that I show up to the business um, has, a, has a massive impact, actually, on the way that people seem to interact with the business, even before we've actually had any any kind of personal contact with each other. Hmm. Well, I mean, that, that, everything that you've been sharing has been just really amazing. And I, I just want to say how grateful I am for you coming on this podcast. Um before we do finish, would you, would you like to just say how people could get in touch with you, your website, and any sort of contact details so people could find out more about uh, about your business? Sure. Um, well, again, thanks for the opportunity to, to be on the podcast. Um, it, it's been a, a great pleasure. And, um, yeah, if people would like to learn a little bit more, um, we have a website, which you can find at uh, www.holisticequitation.co.uk. And um, my contact details are on there as well, but uh, you can reach me at Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at holisticequitation.co.uk. Thank you so much again. And um, yeah, and please do get in touch with Derek if you want to learn anything more about anything that he's been talking about today. Uh, Thanks again, Derek. And it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much, Tom. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you'd like to find out more about creating great relationships, go to therelationshipmaze.com and I look forward to seeing you there. And remember to tune in to the next podcast.